now we get to to dive into the word today and we get to continue our pushed out sermon series. Um, this sermon series was catalyzed by the fact that a couple weeks ago we did not have service here in Chris Hadfield because of the QP strike. But we did discover that there was something more that God wanted to do and something more that God wants to do inside of us as a church congregation. And we discovered that it wasn't just that we were pushed out physically, but that God is actually pushing us out into the world. And so, uh, so that's, what, that's what we're looking at. We saw, that, uh, we saw last week that, that the church itself in North American culture is hiding God from the rest of the world. We saw that happening through uh, one of the texts that we read last week. And, uh, and if you want to listen to that message, then it's online. Um, that the church is hiding God and, and that God is pushing us out to, to look outside of ourselves. So the year is 1996. I'm just about to turn 16 years old and I'm at a camp. And this camp is it's an old school camp because the, the service place is called the Tabernacle. The pews are solid wood with etchings of bored teenagers on the pews, scratched into the pews. And, you know, you hear all kinds of, as you read the pews, you hear of all kinds of love affairs and interesting things that have happened in the summer of 1973. And so here I am reading the pews at Lakeshore Pentecostal Camp. I don't believe they have pews anymore. I think they have nicer seating now. But they made us suffer. Lakeshore Pentecostal Camp is the only place that I know that August could be hotter indoors than outdoors. That's the way it was. And so here we were in this, in this hot, packed out tabernacle for camp. And this was a truly Pentecostal camp because they had services 14 times a day. It felt like that. It wasn't really like that, but some of their services went really, really long. And you would listen to pastors preach the Word of God to 500, 600, depending on the year, teenagers just going. And they are just preaching. They kept on getting pastors from the southern states who could really pound the pulpit really well. And they're just like preaching with everything they've got. This is my teenage church experience. And there is something really awesome about it. There was something so wonderful that was going on because those pastors, they're standing at the front and they're saying, this generation is a generation that will change church. It will change the world. This generation is going to be a generation of people who will actually impact the rest of Canada. This generation is a generation of people who will change the way we do things. And God is going to do great work. And they would just be like going and, and you know, we're, we're teenagers and we're just like drinking it in. Just drinking it in because we know that God is calling this generation, and it's actually the generation that's sitting in this room right now, that God is calling this generation to do something that other generations have not done before. And something very unique is going to happen. And it was so awesome. And as I'm sitting in my 20th service of the week, and the pastor, his name this year was Grant Jeffries. He's passed on. He's now with Jesus. But the pastor was Grant Jeffries, and he's preaching with all of his heart. 
And he's telling us that we're going to do something different, that something is going to change, that somehow God is going to do something. All of a sudden, a moment of realization, and we might call it questioning, came into my heart and my mind. A moment of questioning came into my heart and my mind. And the question that became the most powerful question that I've asked ever since then is the question, how, God? How are you going to do this? I believe everything that you're going to do. I believe that you are active. I believe that you are engaged. I believe that you are going to do something in this generation. And the question that came in my mind and my heart that hasn't left is, God, how are you going to do it? Because I see church. And I hear the idea. I hear what it is. I hear this grand vision that somehow this church is going to change the world. And I go, how, God? Because I see the reality around us and I see, I see that, that the church, and I hadn't articulated it at that point, but I see the church is hiding inside, inside of its four walls. And I remember praying in my later teens, God, how? How are we going to reach out? How are we going to change the system? It's been interesting. Over, since the year 2000, the church in Canada has actually changed a lot of things about itself. The church in Canada has gone through a major shift where it's, it's taken the call to say, how do I change this? It's taken the call and it said, how do we change? How do we change? And it became in so many ways introspective and the church has stepped through a lot of change. You see tablets in front of you right now. <laughs> That's a change. You're, you're sitting at tables. That's a change. And the church is saying, how do we change? We went, we went to churches that, that, that were like just normal where you had like a guitar and a worship guy and, and, and we're singing choruses to churches that, that have full strobe lights and sound systems bigger than anything I've ever seen before. And their, their sound boards run like you've got three sound techs working one soundboard because it's so big. We've got churches that John Binder think like these are the coolest things in the entire world because these sound boards are so awesome and you've got a lighting crew and you've got a camera crew and and you've got live streamed video happening with the words of the songs coming over the video. It's beautiful. Church has changed. But we changed inside of our four walls. And at the end, we're still asking the question, how? How does God push us out? How do we meet our world? And today, we're going to go through a little bit of that. We're going to go through how the church meets the world and how we stop hiding God. We've kind of become, Matthew 5, I'm going to do a sermon series on the uh, Sermon on the Mount coming up in the new year, but Matthew 5, 15, this is not our text for today, I'm just referencing it here, says, uh, or 14 says, you're the light of the world. That's plural. You, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light in the whole house. Um, yeah, that's, that's us. I sometimes picture the church building as a shell that sits over like a bushel over the light of the world. And it just sits there. And we're really radiant inside. But nobody can see it outside. 
And so that's my, that's my, that's my mourning. That's, that's what happens when I mourn, when I lament the condition of the church. Um, and lamenting is totally okay because God actually moves in a lament and he goes, okay, let's do something awesome. Let's do something awesome. If you have text messages, if you have questions, then, uh, then we totally accept them here today. And what you'll see on promisechurch.community is today's message. And you'll see a spot on the bottom to, uh, to type in your questions or comments. Uh, if you want to disagree with me, then I totally love it. Um, if you have a question, then totally bring it. And if you just want to say something really awesome, then, then do that. We'll get it to the end. What we've discovered through this pushed out series, um, Crystal's going to make fun of me because my voice just cracked. Well, <laughs> What we've discovered uh, is, is that we have metrics for success as a church, and we are a new church, and so we do need to set these metrics out. So we actually are starting to look at a 10% um, of all of our income needs to be spent on promise grants, and you're going to understand that because the whole thing's about being pushed out. This is what we do in our community. Promise groups are running in our church community beginning in early 2020. There is actually a promise group leader meeting happening today at roughly at 2.30, 71 roughly. Roughly Street, Bradford, Ontario. It's happening at, sorry, it's happening at 3 o'clock. I don't know why I said 2.30. Um, it's happening at 3 o'clock, and it's at 71 roughly today. If you are signed up to be a Promise Group leader, um, then please, uh, if you're able to make that, that would be wonderful. Um, because we're starting them in 2020. Target number of baptisms per year is 10% of yearly attendance. So that's pretty awesome. And we continue to strengthen our spiritual practice by doing these spiritual disciplines that you experience today being Lectio. And so these are areas where God is pushing us out and measuring our success and where we're measuring our success. So let's get into the word. I, my, I still have my, my, uh, my preaching professor's um, Voice in my ear saying, if you don't get into the word in the first eight minutes, you're preaching too much of your own opinion. So I'm like, oh shoot, <laughs> I'm pushing it. Um, anyways, so let's get into the word. Today we're reading from two different texts. Our first one is going to be Matthew 8, 1 to 4, and our second one is Matthew 14, 13 to 21. But let's do Matthew 8 first. The question that we're asking, the question we're asking today is how does the church reach into its community? And the way we're coming to the answers is by looking at Jesus. How did Jesus reach into his community? How did Jesus reach into his community? So I'm going to move that. Um, Jesus' actions, they impact his culture. So here we go. Let's read the text. When Jesus came down from the mountain... Great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anybody, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a proof to them. Okay. Wow. Wow. Jesus just walks up. Here's the basics of the story. Jesus walks up. A leper goes, please heal me. Jesus goes, done. Now go, go show yourself. Go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. Today's church has changed in another way. We've actually, we start to bring people in by really good signage and marketing campaigns. That's what we do. 
good signage and marketing campaigns. We've taken the advertisements route of, of culture and we've said this is what's supposed to happen. And so, so that's the way it is. Jesus, when I study him, actually didn't use those things. He actually used something different. He actually used impact. And that's what we see right here. Right here in Matthew 8, we see one example of an impact that Jesus made in somebody's life. It's an impact that, that is really important. So Jesus comes down from the mountain. This is awesome because it works for us. See, Matthew was written to Jews primarily, and the Jews understood in their history that if you're going to meet with God, you're going to meet with God on a mountaintop. The theophany experiences, the places where somebody has a revelation of God, it's like epiphany with like theo, which is God, so theophany. Um, you have a revelation of God. They happen on the mountains. You've got Mount Sinai. You've got uh, the mountain of transfiguration. You've got uh, Mount Carmel. You've got, there's all kinds of different mountains throughout the Old Testament where God shows up. So th the psalmist says, I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Because when you're going to go meet with God, you go to the mountain. And so what we've got is Jesus went to the mountain and he's on the mountain and he's meeting with God. But this verse says, this verse says, and when he came down from the mountain. So where does somebody go if they want to meet with God? As a Christian, where do I go if I want to meet with God? You go to church. You go to church. The place where you meet with God is the place where you go to church. Now, obviously, we, you know, some of us Christians, we have, we have our prayer closet. But community, we go to meet with God at church. That's why we're here. We're here because this is God wanting to meet with us. God wants to meet with you here. And so, so you, you meet with God. Well, Jesus, when he was done with that mountaintop experience, he finds himself coming down and he goes, okay, I'm going to come down. And the crowds followed him. In our culture, here's another piece. Our culture, superheroes do everything. Superheroes are the ones that, that do everything. It's a superhero that's like, oh, yeah, that guy's really powerful. But Jesus never did anything alone. The crowds are always with him. Sometimes we read the stories of Jesus and we separate him out but the crowds are with Jesus, and so it's never alone. This is something we do together. Jesus wasn't away from his disciples at the point. He's with his disciples. He's with his church community, and he steps out, and the crowds followed him, and they're together. That's important for us, guys. You want to have impact? We're, we're doing it together. And behold, a leper. I think behold is a really overused, really cheesy word. I don't know. You put it on like Christmas. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared. And you're like, whoa. Okay, but behold actually means look. Look, a leper. There's a leper here. And you just, you, you take notice. Guess where the leper was not? The leper was not in the church service. The leper was not on the mountain. The leper was in the everyday life. And this Christian community led by Jesus took a moment and looked around them. And they said, look, there's something that's not quite right here. There's a leper here. <laughs> We're going to get into that a little bit because, because why is that a big deal other than it's just a random disease? Okay, hilarious moment. I'm reading a kid's book. 
from a church. My wife was with, oh, she's not even in here. She would totally appreciate this. I'm reading a kid's book from a church. I was a kid's pastor, and so I was looking at all these church resources, and I read this book. You're going to love this book. This is called this is called Meeting with God, and it's set for a kid. Page one is, we meet with God at church. Thought it was awesome. That's great. We meet with God at church. Flip the page. The pastor tells us about God at church. Awesome. Flip the page. We pray at church. Wonderful. We sing songs at church. Yay. When the church service is over, we go home. Great. Wave bye-bye to God. What the? What? What are you thinking? Wave bye-bye to God. Awesome. Thank you so much. Like, come on. But apparently, when the church community left the mountaintop experience, they were still together, and they had their eyes open, and they saw a leper. Guys, the leper can't access God. The leper in Jewish teaching cannot access God. The leper is actually in quarantine. Take a look at this. I'm going to see how fast I could do my sword drill. That's an old thing, right? Where you'd like go to like something. Actually, Iwana does it. Um... Pardon me? Yeah, sword in hand. Um, and now, I'm, now I'm distracting myself. So they, they, you go and you find a scripture verse and, uh, and you see how long, you can, how long it takes. So watch this. Um, so Leviticus 14, 1 and 2. Um, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to a priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and shall look. Then if the case is a leprous disease... Uh, They'll look to see if it's healed in the leprous person. The, the priest shall command them to take for him to be cleansed two live, clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yawn and hyssop. And the priest shall command to be killed one of the birds in the earthenware vessels over the fresh water. And he shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them uh, and he shall sprinkle it seven times on he who has been cleansed from the leprous disease. Then he will pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. Um, and he who is cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, bathe in the water, and he will be clean. And after that, he may come back into the camp. He could come back into the camp. See, leprosy was any skin ailment that showed up on the body, and they didn't actually know all the time what it was or what was causing it, and so they would actually put you into quarantine, and they had numerous different tests of how to deal with leprosy. And so you were outside of the camp. And if they weren't able to clean your leprosy, you had no access to the community any longer because you were a threat to the community and because you were unclean. And so here is a leprous person who has no access to the presence of God. He has no access to what God is doing anymore. And so Jesus looks and the community around him beholds a leprous person who is excluded from the community. And Jesus says, we're going to have an impact. We're going to do something right now. We're going to do something that actually manifestly changes your reality and brings you back into community. We are going to affect change in your life. And this is the first lesson I want to pull from Jesus. That Jesus doesn't do signs and, and marketing. Jesus affects change. With his disciples around, he affects change in the community outside of the common church. 
He affects change. And so this is something where we go, oh, Jesus wanted to change something. Oh, Jesus is calling us to follow his way of impacting the world, and he's going to do it through affecting change by us being involved in doing things outside of our church community, by improving things outside of our church community. Jesus touched a leper. Guys, in this story, Jesus actually touches a leprous person. Um, if you keep on reading all the things in, in Leviticus 13 and 14 about the lepers, you ain't supposed to touch them. That's a bad deal. That, that makes you unclean as well. Jesus touched a leprous person. Guys, there are things that God is going to call us to do that will impact change, that will make you be in a place that somebody's going to go, oh, should you be there? Yeah. Yeah, you should be there. That's exactly where you should be. Because when you're with your community of believers, being in a place that you're going to affect change, that's when God's kingdom is expanding. The second thing that, that Jesus did where he had impact is in Matthew 14. Matthew 14, 13. This is another example. Um, Matthew 14. Let's read the story. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, whoa, sorry, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed them of their sick. That's impact. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, it's a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away so they could go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They quickly did an inventory and they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing and he broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and they were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over and those who ate were about 5,000 men beside the women and children. Okay, so here we go. We've got another moment of impact where Jesus has just been going all day. He, he's going off to, to be on his own and he comes back and he sees that, that, there is, that there is this need. There is a physical need. These people have to eat. They've got to eat. There's a need that the general populace has, and Jesus is like, all right, guys, you go do it. You do it. Go have fun. Go feed them. And the disciples in their need, in their own need, start to realize that we don't have the capacity. Notice I put us into the story. We don't have the capacity to fix the actual need. But we only have five, uh, five loaves and two fish. We don't have the capacity to fix the actual need. And Jesus is like, ah, yeah, but I do. Guys, when we have impact, God's calling us to be aware of the needs that are around us. He's calling us to have our eyes open when we leave the mountaintop experience, when we leave the church. He's calling us to have our eyes open for the things that aren't actually representative of the kingdom of God, that aren't actually the things that are supposed to be. He's saying, open up your eyes. 
and be with your Christian community so that you could see what you need to do. And then he does this really crazy thing. He's like, yep, uh, look at this. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Here's the church of Jesus, really, really young, really young church of Jesus. Jesus is like, you go give them something to eat. Meet their need. Come on. Meet their need. And so he does it, and he's like, he's like, there. And what they discover in the time where they're trying to meet the need is they discover their own need for God's intervention. Guys, I was talking to a Christian pastor a couple weeks ago, and he was complaining to me. This is just sometimes what happens. And he was complaining to me, and he's like, people don't know how to read their Bible. They don't even know their Bible at all. And I said, you know what? Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe people don't know their Bible because they don't need their Bible. And he was like, what? I'm like, maybe they don't need their Bible because there's nothing in our life, there's nothing in our church structure that's saying you need to know your Bible. There's nothing in our life saying, here we are in a situation where God's calling us to meet a need and we don't know how to do it. We're running ourselves to God going, God, you got to come through here. You got to come through. You got to do something because this is important. And guess what? God comes through. God comes through every single time when the community of people find themselves, when his people find themselves in a situation where they're just like, God's put me in, the, in a place where I need to meet somebody's need that's outside of the church community. God's put me in a place where I need to have an impact. We find ourselves at the edge of ourselves going, but all I have is a grant. A grant can't fix the problem. You're right. God can. God can. God could get involved. God could change the reality. God's the one who could do something. I firmly believe that we are a generation of church that is going to be pushed out of church, organized in community, to go out into the community to make a difference. That we're going to make an impact. I firmly believe that God is calling us to do something together. And he's saying, you know what? It's enough of isolated me and God time. It's enough of like, Oh, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't need church. No, it's enough of that. It's time that the church actually goes together is the way that God's calling us to make a difference. It's time for us to unite and to say, let's go. Let's go. God's calling us to do something awesome. And so we are, we are structuring all of this to make sense. Jesus' impact were visible. They created faith in the hearts of witnesses. Everything he did was, was seen. Guys, we have beautiful signs, but there are people outside that are driving past our signs going, oh yeah, you're the yellow church. Trust me, I hear it all over town. Yeah, you're the, you're the pastor of the yellow church. Awesome. You're seeing us. Devin did that on purpose. And so, yes, yeah, we're promised church. Yeah, you see us at Carrot Fest. Yeah, you see us at Santa Claus Parade where we had our dinosaur up on our float last year and everybody thought it was controversial. Yeah, you see us. But what you didn't what you didn't see, what you didn't see yet is what we're bringing. What we're bringing. Guys, this church will rely on the impact that it's going to have on Bradford. It's not going to rely on our signs. It's not going to rely on our advertising. It's not going to rely on any of those means. It's going to rely on the impact that we're having in Bradford. And how do we know we have impact? We did stuff in public. Jesus' action restored uh, Jesus' action restored people into the community of God. 
Guys, there are people who've been excluded from the community of God. A lot of Christians, get this, in Bradford, people move here, and, and, they, and they do, they, they move here, and they get displaced from their previous Christian community. There are thousands of people who have moved here and been displaced. They, they get isolated from their community. Jesus' actions brought people back into community and said, no, you're going to come back into community. Jesus' actions risked the appearances. What if everybody's eyes are on, on me and something fails? Jesus' actions risked that, and we rely on it. By extension, our actions will create a sense of risk. That's a little scary, but it's good because God is the one who comes through. God's the one who comes through, and he's the one that actually shows that, that he's doing it. So one of the things that we measure is baptism, and I end with this. We measure baptism as a sign of inclusion into the community of God because we're calling people into a community. We're calling people into a community, and, uh, and so we are out there doing stuff. We're actually using our Promise Grant programs to create an impact in the world that people can actually see. My vision is that as we have these Promise Groups that launch in 2020, it's going to be here and here all over Bradford. It's going to be in all of these locations and as they impact in promise groups, you're just going to see glimmers of light outside of the church structure, outside of the building. And you're going to see these moments of like, oh yeah, God did something here. God did something here. God did something here. God did something here. And it calls people out towards baptism. Every, even the early church, they recognized baptism in new believers. Today, church, we actually have an average of two years before a person's baptized. But we want to see new believers baptized. So if you haven't been baptized in water yet, and maybe you've been a, a Christian for a long time, I want to celebrate your entry into community. I'm going to ask you to actually hit up the tablet and be like, I want to get baptized. It's in the Get Connected form. Hit up the tablet and say, I want to get baptized because I want to show that I'm included in this community. If someone you know has just come to faith, I want to see them baptized. If you've just come to faith, let's get baptized. It's a sign of inclusion into the community. Because this is what's happening. God is calling people to be included into the community. I have a couple comments that have shown up during today's message. The difficulty is to, di to differentiate between us and just a good person. The modern church doesn't do anything that isn't being done by secular humanitarian organizations. And in a lot of cases, they do it better. Right. So this is a complete accurate statement. Whoever wrote it, thank you very much. This is true. The church has somewhat focused internally for so long that other humanitarian organizations have had to step up. But guess what? What we can do under the banner of Jesus inside of a town is much more direct than what other humanitarian organizations are going to do. So what we want to do is under the banner of Promise Church, we actually want to affect change. And when I speak to my non-Christian friends about this stuff, they go, that's what a church is supposed to do, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, right. So then they are looking for when does the church operate, when does the church under the banner of Promise Church operate together to do something that impacts the community? When I do something individually, I just look like a normal good person. When I do something that's tied to Promise Church, I glorify the name of Jesus. And so that's a big difference. Next one, please. 
I knew a pastor who refused to spend money on advertising his church on media because they were the only people reached was to people who are already saved. If we want to grow, we must find people who aren't already listening to us. Yes and no. There are two demographics that Promise Church is actually working towards reaching. We actually do want to see the, the, the disenfranchised, the ones who have been displaced by moving to Bradford and have never found a church to go to, but they were Christian and they were attending church before. We actually want to see those people come to Promise Church because they're not attending church in Bradford yet. And so we actually want to help them find a home in Bradford where we meet with God. That's part of our mission. And the second part is, yes, we want to expand out into the larger community and reach people who don't yet know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Devin, you can come on up, please. So this is very much God just pushing us out and saying, yeah, but it's not pressure on you as an individual. This is the call of us as a church gathered together in unity and saying, let's make a difference. Let's do something that's valuable in this world around us. And so I invite us to worship because this God is the God that we, that we honor and adore. This God is the God who actually does all of this stuff. For all of that pounding on the pulpit back in 1996, God is the one who actually does it. And so we rely on God and we will organize in God's action. And one day, very soon, God's going to make us look at a crowd of 5,000 people and say, you feed them. And we're going to go, oh, but what? And God's going to go, don't worry, I got this. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the almighty God who actually carries all of this. You're the one who, who this is your idea to, to put your presence into the church. It was your idea to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. It was your idea to, to have the Holy Spirit indwell us so that we could be all over the world globally being lights all over the world. And God, I pray that, that in this context, that we would be a leader in the way that we show Christians how to step into their community with grace and with eyes that could say, behold, something's going on here. And God, I pray that, that we would be able to excel in this area. Give us wisdom as we grow into something that's brand new and allow us to be uh, the, the, the people who are willing to do your work outside of the four walls of the church. Thank you for this opportunity where you've been pushing us out. And we ask you to bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen.